Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. We have some uh, cold weather coming in tomorrow. Really hit, starts to hit Friday. Friday's going to be cold. Friday night into Saturday is going to be unusually cold. But in the meantime, we have a sunny Thursday ahead. Uh, now, on this Thursday, on the second day of February, I love the story out of Cumberland about that. Uh, and by the way, I want to commend the Cumberland Police Department how they handled this young girl that sent them the DNA evidence about uh, the carrot and the cookie in Santa Claus. I think they, I think they handled that about as, as best you possibly could. They understood there was an opportunity to really shine, and I want to just commend the Cumberland Police Department for how they handled that story. Now, Channel 10. Providence police say Mount Pleasant student is safe. The email is un- under investigation. Now, this is this assistant principal that a week ago sent out this email saying that the student owes money to a coyote, which is a member of a cartel that smuggles people into the United States and was trying to raise money for him. So she's on paid leave. Let me hear the Channel 10 talk. To pay off bad guy border smugglers, possibly threatening a Providence school kid. This is a real story. The city is finally sharing more information with us tonight. This much we know the child, the subject of an assistant principal's apparently misguided missive, exists. Hello again, everyone. I'm Gene Velocetti. And I'm Emily Voles. At least that is how the story goes. Police confirm the student involved is real. NBC 10's Joanna Boris is live in Providence with the new information tonight. Joanna. The acting police chief tells me the student is safe, but when it comes to the facts of the email, that is under investigation. Questions linger after Mount Pleasant High School assistant principal Stephanie Harvey sent a concerning email. Harvey asked colleagues for money to pay off a student's coyote or human smuggler. This uh, staff member was looking to assist a, a student in, um, in a very difficult situation. Miguel Sanchez, city councilor for Ward 6, says his family used coyotes when they came to the United States from Mexico decades ago. Folks that are looking for, for a better opportunity for themselves and, and their families, um, unfortunately, have to rely on, on this method um, 
to, to succeed the, the American dream. Acting Providence Police Chief Oscar Perez says the student referenced in Harvey's email is 18 years old and safe with his family. NBC10 has been asking how many undocumented students are in Providence Here we schools go. and what policies are in place to protect them. We've requested interviews with State Education Commissioner Angelica Infante Green, who's in charge of Providence Schools, and School Superintendent Javier Montañez, but our requests have been denied. <laughs> From my understanding, uh, under the Biden administration, there's, there's a policy um, that schools are, are safe zones, um, so, so no IAs or, or Homeland Security officials are allowed in, in school buildings. So I, I would just encourage um, for our local uh, ICE officials to, to respect that policy. ICE says it's not familiar with the investigation. Most um, people that, that cross um, our, our border um, are assisted um, by this group or a particular person. This guy's a socialist, um, so, by I the mean, way. It's very naive to think that it isn't happening in the city. Assistant Principal Harvey is on paid administrative leave for the investigation. Live in Providence, Joanna Boris, NBC 10 News. Now I'll tell you, where this opens up, a real mess is because I know how many it is. I don't think people understand. This is where now this leads. Now, Mirabeth Calabro, the union head, who is so quick to go after this assistant vice principal, she wouldn't have done it if that was a teacher. The principal assistant principals are not members of the union. I, I will tell you, the last thing they want now is Channel 10 snooping around to how many illegal students are in the Providence school system. And who this is really going to come back and bite is Calabro. Because as the Providence teacher are making all these demands, let's let's look at the math, and I'll even talk in conservative terms. So they estimate that there's somewhere around 60,000, at least, illegals living in the city of Providence. It's about 35 to 40% of the population in Providence. Could be higher, but let's just stay on the low estimate of it's, it's somewhere in the 40% range of the... Uh, residents of Providence, there's 180,000 uh, residents of Providence, thereabouts, and 40% of them, or about 60,000, 60, which is really a third, but are illegal. So if you take, just use that formula, which is about 40,000, so, um, and, and that would be uh, 40%, excuse me, 40%, stay with me. If you look at a student population of 20,000 students in the city of Providence, that would mean that somewhere around about 8,000 of them are illegal of, of the 20, right? About 8,000 of them, somewhere about there, 7,000, 8,000 are illegal. Now, now, this becomes a problem. How much does that cost? How much does this cost? This is, I have been talking about this. If this could finally hit the light of day, where because of this story it might. Now, that, that counsel they're talking to, he is a total socialist. He and his brother, one's a rep, and that guy's he's new on the city council. But if you go to a, a formula of in Providence, it's 22,000 per student times 8,000 is what 100 wait a minute is this absolutely correct 176 
Is that possible? It's that that expensive. I mean, that's the kind of money that we're we're talking about. Well, the fact of the matter is that this is not the type of recipe that that they want in any way. They don't want a highlight on this. They don't want this to come out. And I think it's interesting now. This is something I have been talking about for a long time. It's interesting now. I'm very encouraged that NBC10 is now looking into this, saying, hey, wait a minute. How many of these students are, in fact, illegal? How many of them are there in, in fact, the, the, the Providence school system? Much more ahead on The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. Now, folks, I want to just explain. As I was trying to in real time do the, the math on how much these illegal alien, or whatever we're calling them, undocumented, people get upset when you use that term, illegals, um, migrants, whatever term you want to use. I'm not going to argue over that. But... If the cost per pupil in the Providence school system is $22,000, let us just do some basic math. I, I, I actually thought I, I must have been doing something wrong with the number I came up with. So Channel 10 is now investigating, well, how many, how many students are undocumented in the Providence school system? So if you have $22,000, let us just go through this, and there's five students, right, times five. So you're at $110,000. Right, one hundred and ten thousand, twenty-two thousand per pupil. So, that's just five students. Let's go to what about one hundred students? One hundred students times twenty-two thousand is two million two hundred thousand. Now let's go to one thousand students. What is it that there's one thousand undocumented students? in the Providence school system cost $22 million. But now let's go to the real number, that there's around 8,000. At least, that could be conservative, by the way. But let's say 8,000 illegals times 22,000. It's $176 million. <laughs> I thought I must have done something wrong when I was adding that. What if someone said, wait a minute, it turns out there's actually 9,000 illegal students in the Providence school system, and it costs 22000 a year per student. That's $198 million. That, and, and you contribute to the Providence schools, by the way. So this email story in the union, Mary Beth Calabro, collaborating oh no 
That email is real, and now the police are involved. Folks, this goes into, I've talked about cartel violence in the city. I've talked about how Governor McKee and Lieutenant Governor Matos continue to usher all these people in. And it is, it's, it's an open border at the southern border. It's, it's an open border in, in Rhode Island where Mayor, Mayor Lorza, this doesn't fall so much on Mayor Smiley, but Mayor Lorza, in, in essence, has been running a sanctuary city. And then, you know, you obviously have Governor Raimondo didn't do anything to stop it. Governor McKee and Lieutenant Governor Matos, if anything, they've kind of upped the ante on this whole thing a little bit. So I believe I want to see the reaction when people start to realize just how many kids are in the Providence school system, the cost of that. And then let's see the reaction with how people are reacting when people they want to close some of the schools or how much money we're really spending in the providence school system and the amount of aid that providence gets providence gets over 300 million dollars a year in school aid what if that some of that money was divided into some of the other communities instead of educating all these undocumented illegals in the city of providence imagine that imagine if the three four hundred million was spread out to some of the suburban districts. I think those schools could certainly use the money. All right, much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also... 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, go to At Med Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. At Med Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to start off with this case that obviously has just riveted not only our region, but the nation. And it's the story of these parents, the mother, Duxbury, Massachusetts, the South Shore, Lindsay Glancy, that apparently it was just a week ago, the husband goes to pick up takeout. Uh, she was, I believe, on leave as a nurse. Uh, definitely some of her friends and people speaking out saying she was battling with postpartum uh, depression. Three young children, five, three, seven months old at the time, turned eight on Thursday. As the husband is gone, he comes back, and apparently she has jumped out of the upstairs window. She has harmed herself, but not before essentially has taken the life of the three children I'd, I'd like to go through there's a number of people that i guess in canada they don't prosecute someone like that but right now the da she is tim dodd she's this mother lindsey glancy she is 
facing three counts of murder. She hasn't been arraigned yet because she's still in the hospital. Well, yes, she will be charged. I think there's about nine or ten counts. There's three counts of murder. There's a number of other counts involving child endangerment, all which are subsumed in the murder charges, John. Um, One of the things that's widely speculated is with the postpartum depression issue, will she have the affirmative defense of insanity or otherwise an affirmative defense of some diminished capacity due due to her mental problems? That's an affirmative defense. That does not stop the prosecution from charging the case in the first place. Mm. There's a burden shifting. If, if the prosecution has the burden to show that these children were unfortunately and tragically murdered, then the burden shifts to her to prove to the jury or the judge sitting without a jury, if, it, if at all possible, that um, she had a diminished capacity that she was temporarily insane, that she had postpartum depression, any of those potential cards that she could play. Um, We see a lot of these cases, unfortunately. There was a case a few years ago where I think a woman and mother in Texas, I think she drowned five of her kids in the bathtub. She had postpartum postpartum depression. There was the mom in New England who strapped her kids into the back seat and drove them into a lake and then claimed to, you know, have not been involved for quite some time. Um, You know, the woman that drove her car into the lake with the two kids strapped in. Yes, that becomes more difficult to, I think, suggest insanity or diminished capacity because after the fact she was going on tv sobbing where are my children you know trying to cover up yeah um, whereas yates i think you know it was quite clear that she had mental problems of the of the worst kind this woman is probably going to be in that same situation yeah um, and a jury or a judge may well find that she had diminished capacity to to assert the insanity defense. Depending on the jurisdiction, you've got to be able to prove as the defendant that your mental condition was such that you did not have the capacity to understand and appreciate right from wrong, that you just could not see the difference, that you could not sort it out. Um, and that you couldn't make decisions based upon an understanding of right versus wrong. Who knows what was going through her head as she's, you know, um, murdering her kids. Um, that would suggest some sort of a mental problem because right. that's far, far from the norm of what a mom would do. Um, so... In the early stages, I would think that her attorneys are working diligently to scour her medical records. I know she was in active treatment, um, seeing doctors being medicated for the postpartum depression issue, which um, is a more common uh, issue with new moms, you know, after they've given birth, then, you know, a lot of people might fully appreciate it's a pretty 
common, I think 20 to 25%, they say, of new moms um, can um, suffer from bouts of postpartum depression. It's a, apparently, it's a feeling of hopelessness, helplessness, depression, all of those things sort of bundle together. Tim Dodd, what about what is the what the prosecutors in this particular case, and this is the Duxbury Lindsay Glancy case, but they would continue down the path of bringing her up on the murder charges. Do they or could this maybe go to like to a grand jury? Is there any way that the prosecutor would not pursue charges of murder because of they feel that, you know, she somehow had postpartum psychosis and was not in the right mind when she committed these acts? Well, before trial at a, at a probable cause hearing or something similar in that state, uh, if medical evidence was put on that she had a diminished capacity or she was, you know, um, clinically insane or whatever the appropriate medical term would be, um, normally she would be examined by defense, a defense psychiatrist or medical yep. expert. The prosecution would have that same opportunity. Typically, you get two different opinions. Defense doctor says she's insane. She has diminished capacity. Um, prosecution's expert says she's fine. Sometimes the medical opinions agree. There have mm -hmm. been cases in Rhode Island, such as the guy that killed the jogger with the mallet and shoved him into a trash That's can. Right. Yeah. All of both sides, their experts said this man cannot stand trial. You know, he has a, such a diminished capacity that he can't reasonably participate in his own defense and he didn't have the capacity to understand right from wrong. So they're both psychiatrists for the state and for the defense agreed. This guy is mentally impaired. He can't, he can't go through it. So he'll wind up in a mental institution receiving treatment, much like um, John Hinckley was in a mental institution receiving right. treatment until such time as the medical community says that this person has been rehabilitated enough to go back into society. Hmm. And, once, and once Hinckley was determined, for instance, able to go back into society on a limited basis, he can't then be prosecuted. They can't right. say, well, now that he's got his faculties back, now we can prosecute him. Yeah. No, that determination is made when the state chooses to prefer criminal charges. It will result either in an acquittal, a conviction, or in his case, in a determination of insanity. Tim Dodd, as far as the Duxbury case, and I, I just want to be very clear, there's not many people posting, not just to be many people posting that, uh, you know, as, as a result, she she's going to have to live with this and her guilty conscience will be enough that I mean, you tell me that doesn't satisfy in the eyes of the law. Is she there were three lives taken that night. They were the three lives of her children, seven months, three years old, five years old. Uh, you know, she may end up getting a, a judge or maybe a jury to find her not guilty by reason of insanity. But in the meantime, there's also a very good chance she could be found guilty for those murders. Yes. No matter what happens here, yep. she will have to live with the fact that she right. committed these unspeakable acts against yes. her kids. And she will be prosecuted. 
Mm. You know, the only the only way it's not going to go to trial is if there's a plea bargain of some sure. sort or if the medical experts agreed that she didn't have the capacity. Okay. That she, you know. so, Otherwise, the state would say we're prosecuting you again. Right. It's an affirmative defense. The burden is on the defendant to prove insanity or diminished capacity. The yep. state barrels ahead and it's up mm. to the defense to assert that defense to the satisfaction of a judge or a jury. Folks, uh, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Office is located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401 434 1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I just wanted to get your reaction in a quick recap. The Dolan case, we had talked about it. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I mean, everyone really seemed surprised at the outcome. But then as someone that attended the trial, and I always talk about that by being inside the courtroom, that's how you pick up on stuff. A lot of people were surprised by this. But in my just and there's no until we hear from the jury, there's no if we, if we may never. But to me assessment was that granted a gamble that officer dolan went on the stand and no question his attorney michael colucci put on a strong defense but ultimately when he i found when he was on the stand the jury found him obviously highly credible he is a police officer and basically he convinced them that he was just doing his job and and several factors led up to it but as much as there's a gamble stand, in this particular case, I think you have to hand it to both his attorney, Michael Colucci, and Officer Dolan, that I, I believe that's what won over the jury. Well, before the jury came back, we were speculating that, I mean, I thought for sure it was going right. to be a conviction. Yes. You know, we did talk about maybe he could hang the jury if he gets sure. somebody to think that these kids were punks and that he was a cop trying to do his job. And, you know, people don't like to think that cops are all dirty and lying and, you know, up to no good. Um, I was astonished when the jury came back. Number one, I was astonished at the verdict and I was astonished at the speed in which they came back. It's like, there was no question in their mind. They weren't out what they weren't even out three hours. I don't three hours. Boom. They're back. Um, but you know, you've made point, uh, on your show consistently that what we all know is what we hear in like a four 
blurb on the right. news or what we read in the paper, but it never gives you, as you've pointed out many times correctly, you don't get the flavor of really going no. on unless you're sitting in that courtroom. I thought that the defendant was doomed. Um, okay, let's concede that the kids might have come across a little cocky and arrogant. Let's yeah. concede that going 100 miles an hour is not going to impress a jury. Um, I thought that independent witness who said the cop shot from the side of the car right, into the, driver the driver's side. window, you know, I thought that clearly undercut the cop's narrative that right. he thought that the kid was going to run him over and he shot. I mean, if that was the real story, he would have shot into the um, windshield, not the right. side mirror. Correct. I, I thought that would do the trick, if you will. And I thought that's one of the reasons why the prosecutors weren't um, doing more to stop the, um, the beat down that Mike it Colucci was. was giving to the, the kids in the car. Yeah. I figured they're sitting back thinking, that's okay, we got this. This guy's going to come in. He's got no connection to anything. He's a straight shooter. He's credible. He'll, he'll put the jury straight on what really happened out there. But as good as that witness was, and I think that was an excellent witness, I think you're right that um, Dolan trumped that independent witness with his sincerity and his credibility. Yes. And, and I think one of the things that Mike also pointed the um, incident the cops st stayed behind. He called it in. He rendered aid. Yep. All of those things are significant. But, you know, he was a guy who did care about the kids that squared with his theory that he wanted to have a talking with these kids so they wouldn't risk their lives or hurt others. So staying behind, offering first aid, calling it in, all were acts consistent with his claim that he was trying to be compassionate and thoughtful and helpful towards these kids. I, I still, I'm astonished. I'll always yeah. be astonished at the verdict here. Yeah. And I no, think, and a lot of people in the courtroom were Tim Dodd. Yeah. Well. And you got to credit Mike Colucci. I mean, he did a yes. good job with what we all thought. I mean, I'm in courtrooms every day and everyone thought, Oh my God, this is a slam dunk. How can this guy possibly win? And he did. And I, I did. I, I had heard from, uh, police officers that said even if you were on duty in that those kids had a weapon and they had just pulled a robbery you could still get in trouble for shoot for shooting let alone unarmed teens in the parking lot of a pizza place in west Greenwich. folks again we're speaking with our legal expert attorney tim dodd tim i want to also just have you touch on give a chance granted we're gonna have a long way to go with this uh but at first blush officers in memphis uh, by all accounts, they, they seemingly have a long road ahead. We can talk about the, you know, they have the right to use force in certain situations. But I, I you want to talk about a slam dunk. I, I think, in the case, I don't see an out here. I obviously want to hear your thoughts, but I think these five officers are in an awful lot of trouble going forward. Oh, it, it's, it was just a vicious, uncalled for. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I can't add any words that no. would be better than those that have already been said by people all over the country. Yeah, and um, they killed them. They killed them. Yep, yeah, they killed them. It's more outrageous 
in many ways than you know well you can't compare but with the floyd case yeah you know the cop kneeled on his neck you know asphyxiated him basically but this time you got five guys taking turns yep punching him kicking him clubbing him it made no sense at the point in time they really started to tee off on him and kick him like a football and take the batons and whack him he wasn't going anywhere no i mean he was down It, it doesn't make any sense um you know, is it the officer's training? Is it their inexperience? They were all, I think, cops who were relatively new to the police department. Um, you know, if you looked at their psychological profile, should they have right. been cops in the first place? Probably I mean, are not. police departments having to take inferior candidates because it's so hard to uh, recruit cops because of all the negative publicity and, right. the, you know, the... Um, defund the police as well as you know cops showing up for domestic situations and they are um, ambushed and killed i mean who wants to be a cop these days there's very little public support Mm. these cops were part of the scorpion squad so they went into the roughest neighborhoods the most crime plagued area and tried to um Get, bring i guess a little control if you will or get the bad guys mm-hmm. but apparently these types of units around the country have been um, over and over units that abuse their authority yeah um, get into these types of situations not to this extent mm-hmm. but roughing up people unnecessarily um, taking uh, going way too far in terms of um, physical Subduing restraint. Subduing a suspect. And tip down, they were in body cams. Can you imagine? If they didn't have the body cams, I, I think they'd just be like, yeah, you know, something happened. The guy was fighting us. We're not sure. I mean, that's even with the body cams. And it, Well, you know, it, and I don't, you got to know that you're being videoed. I mean, there was right. video taken from, I don't know, a street camera the whole thing is on video. If right. if you're out there thinking, you know, I'm going to beat the beat the whatever out of this guy, you got to believe or presume that you're being videoed from a number of different angles. It's it doesn't make any sense. No. The only the only thing I would say, and I'm sure it would upset some folks, but every one of these situations where someone dies in this situation starts with them resisting arrest and i'm not defending what these cops did by any by any stretch but if someone is pulled over by the police license and registration yeah but officer i didn't do anything license and registration why i didn't do anything well now you're arguing with the cop Then they say, get out of the car. I don't want to get out of the car. I didn't do anything. Tell me what I did wrong. All of that conduct in resisting. All right, you're not going to cooperate with his hands behind your back. We're cuffing you. We're taking you in. What did I do? What's the charge? What are you doing? And now you start resisting. And now the cops are going to subdue you. It, it it gets out of hand yeah. really, really fast, very, quickly. very uh, quickly. 
Yeah. And again, I'm I'm not suggesting that what happened to this guy in in any way should have happened. Right. And if Plus I was, ran. if I, Plus he well, ran. I mean, we're never going to know what would have happened if he had not run and just said, "Okay, fine, take me in." What have you? We're never going to know. But and, and there's a lot of things we don't know about this guy. I'm sure there'll right. be an autopsy. I mean. He seemed to shake off being tased. He seemed yeah. to shake off having pepper spray directly shot into his face. I mean, he seemed impervious to everything the cops were doing. And mm. again, it's, it's, I'm not in any way condoning or justifying, but it is an unusual set of facts. And right. when you run away from the cops while they're trying to arrest you, um, you got to presume there's going to be some unhappy consequences. Right. Now, I'm not a minority male in that type of situation and if i were i would probably have a different set of concerns that i'm going to have the crap beat out of me that i'm going to be arrested wrongfully that i'm going to get hurt unnecessarily so i mean yeah i appreciate the context of the event who was the suspect who was the defendant um there's lots of things that percolate in that situation, which add to the rapid ramping up of exactly what happened. You know, adrenaline's flowing. He's resisting. They're trying to bring him under control. I don't know why five cops, five big burly cops couldn't get this guy under control very quickly without kicking him in the head and hitting him with the baton. It's crazy. And after they, beat it conscious they left him propped up i think by the side of a car yes and they didn't do anything to render assistance see if he had a pulse they didn't do anything for about 20 minutes until the emt showed up which compounds things even more i mean it's the whole thing is just inexplicably um vicious brutal and makes no sense it's just it's awful Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert, turning Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, Monday afternoon, I was actually there. I was in the Silver Lake section of Providence. We've now since learned, so a woman was shot and killed. Uh, we've now since learned she was the landlord. You have a guy on the third floor, Prudence Avenue. And so 
somebody was living in the third floor, his friend or cousin, whatever. He, the guy moves out. He stays there. They want to evict him for whatever reason out of the apartment. But the facts that the Providence police laid out is so the landlord, this woman, she goes to the door and they want to evict him. And she's got two people with her and, and they have weapons. They haven't told us exactly what it is. Inside is the tenant they want out. He's sitting there with a ghost gun of, I believe, an AR-15. They barge down, kick the door, knock the door in. He fires, and then just one shot, I believe, she drops. The other two scatter, and he is now, I believe, granted he's in trouble in the gun charge, but you tell me, I... The, the police, Major LePayton in Providence, said he's claiming self-defense. I, I mean, I, I think he's actually got a good self-defense case here. Yeah, he does have a good self-defense yeah. case. We don't know all the facts. No. This woman goes um, up to the third floor, knocking on the door with two um, individuals with her who are allegedly armed. I don't know if they've got baseball bats, guns. I don't know what they have, but they're they're ready for action and ultimately those folks on the landlord's side of the door kick the door in and perhaps they had already said to the the guy with the ghost gun listen if you don't come out we've got weapons out here we're going to blast you who knows i don't know what was said but you know the the tenant is on the other side, not knowing how many people are out there, what they might be armed with. Um, they're kicking down the door. Um, he's got no means of escape. He can't retreat. He's on no. the third floor. He can't right. jump out a window. He can't run down the stairs. He's trapped. So I, I do think he has a reasonable, at least based on what we know right now, a reasonable self-defense argument. Now, Let's look at the landlord for just a moment. If the landlord had properly filed an eviction complaint and had an order of eviction, she wouldn't show up with two thugs to try to get the guy out. Right. What happens is you get the court order, you send out your constable or your sheriff, you typically have them accompanied by someone from the local police department to make sure this type doesn't happen. The landlord never shows up with some muscle to try to throw the tenant out. Uh, that was a reckless and ill-advised thing that this landlord did. Yeah. Um, there's a legal process for getting somebody out and it doesn't involve the landlord going with some guys to kick the door in and throw the guy out of the apartment bodily. It doesn't work that way. And when that type of action is tried, that might have been good a century ago, but tenants have rights and there is a process to get somebody out. And clearly what this landlord was doing was inconsistent based on what we know right now. I don't think she had a court order. I don't think she had an eviction notice of, you know, to to put him out. Um, That doesn't mean she should have been shot to death, but again, it's an escalation um, that happens very quickly. Tempers are hot, kicking down, threats are made. He can't see them, they can't see him. It doesn't take long for things to boil over. Um, Again, I I just, 
a bad result based upon a bad set of facts and bad decisions made by everybody. What should we interpret that police said they're going to put this to to a grand jury? It's possible the grand jury may not come back with an indictment here. It's very possible. It's very. Yeah. He, I mean, he's got a problem for having the ghost gun. Right. He's, he's you know he's he's looking on the gun issue, but he you know may well avoid prosecution for um, what would essentially be manslaughter. And there's no yeah. premeditation. He shot through a door. Um, I don't think he was aiming at her. I think he was just shooting, and the shot that went through the door, based upon what we know, happened. Hit to her. hit her, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, sadly. Tim Dodd, uh, former President Trump has uh, filed a lawsuit against Bob Woodward. I think this is interesting. When Woodward uh, was interviewing him when President Trump was in office, he and, and you get this sometimes, he was saying, oh, I, I just use the tape recorder for myself, for my so, you know memories, so I remember things, blah, blah, blah. But what happened was, not only does he come out with a book, he then releases, boom, the Trump tapes. And so, and candidly, I could see, you know, I'm sure he never mentioned, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to release these tapes. Uh, but what are we to make of this $50 million lawsuit of uh, President Trump and, and Bob Woodward? It depends if there was some contractual agreement or some written agreement between uh, President Trump and Woodward. I mean, if Trump sits down for an interview with this guy like any other person sure. from the media and Woodward says, Mr. President, I'm writing a book, you know, I'm going to record this. Trump knew he was being recorded clearly. So it's not like it was done without his knowledge. Right. Trump, Trump says in his complaint that um, he gave this material to um, and submitted to these interviews, which were recorded so that Woodward could produce a book and, yeah. and put into the marketplace a book. Trump says, I didn't agree that he could use everything I told him to, for two books. I think President Trump's biggest complaint is not the first book, the print right. edition, that now there's an audio book yes. that both has allegedly everything out there, which Trump didn't agree to have his voice now sold um, to the public, and he complains that um, Woodward has edited some of what President Trump said to take it out of context. Um, that may or may not be true. The real question will be, was there any contractual arrangement between the parties? If there wasn't, I don't think the president has a case. It depends yeah. what the agreement was um, and whether or not President Trump had anything in writing limited limiting excuse me what woodward could do with the material he was um getting right. and all this recorded hours of uh, president trump talking and talking and talking um and, and le talking too much as usual yeah. but unless there's something in writing limiting what woodward could do with that material i don't think the president has a strong case at first blush now, I don't I don't think they thought of it at the time that, hey, wait a minute, he may release these tapes, um, but thus the nature of it. Um, Tim, Dad, and I don't want to relitigate the whole thing, but this, you know, it is in the news about Stormy Daniels and hush money. Is that something that that the, the former president may have to worry about? Well, 
there's two sides to this. Alvin Bragg is yep. a left-wing political DA who, along with Letitia James, is doing everything conceivable to sure. bring criminal charges against Donald Trump. It's their mission. It's a stated mission. They're not yep. shy about it. It's a very right. overt. We're going to get this guy by whatever means necessary. Yep. So what Bragg's position is, is that it was hush money. Now, tr- the president would say that his lawyer, Michael Cohen, volunteered to front money to get a, um, a confidentiality agreement with Stormy Daniels. Alvin Bragg takes the position that this was really um, an indirect campaign contribution that was used to help the president's campaign. So if Cohen paid, I don't know what it was, 60000 160000 some large number, um, to get Stormy to be quiet about this and to execute a confidentiality agreement, money was above and beyond, I think it's 2400 that could be contributed to a presidential candidate um, in any one year, I think it is. So if that money, the hush money, quote unquote, is seen as an illegal campaign contribution because it ultimately benefited the campaign, that I believe is the theory for this case being prosecuted. Uh, President Trump's biggest concern is that Michael Cohen will, at this juncture, do and say anything to hurt President Trump because Cohen right. considers that Trump didn't do anything to help him when he was going through his criminal case. Sure. So I don't think there's a lot of substance to it, but it's mm. this this steady drumbeat. Yeah. Up, there's going to be an indictment in Georgia. Up, there's going to be another indictment in, right. in New York. Um, the negative drip drip of press coverage, I think, will continue politically to hinder the president, whether or not there's any substance to these um, potential criminal charges. It's almost like they don't have to have any substance. They're doing their damage sure. by continually having this pr- negative press come out frequently, enough, to keep, frequently enough and little by little to keep it on the front page and to yep. keep uh, the Trump campaign from getting any traction. And, you know, I don't know if there's any substance to this case with Stormy, but I don't think it's going anywhere. Tim Dodd, finally, just your thought on the the story of this assistant principal at Mount Pleasant High School. She sent out a staff email. One of the students, I believe it's an 18 year old student from Guatemala, and he still owed money to these, quote, coyotes, which are they're involved. They're like the tour guides. You pay them. Cartels operate this business. It's a huge, very successful cottage industry, but they successfully transport you over to the border it's either some kind of a payment plan but he had to come up with five grand he already had three needed two more is there some she's on paid leave but is there some part of potentially legal problem on or a legal issue here regarding the school this vice principal uh trying to facilitate a payment to what is widely recognized as a human smuggling operation well, she is clearly a person who was attempting to form a conspiracy with others at um, Mount Pleasant High School yeah. to raise money to pay one of these coyotes, which is to pay somebody off for committing an illegal act. Now, is she a very sympathetic individual? She's trying to protect the student. Right. 
pay his bill so that something bad does not befall him from these coyotes. Um, she may have had the noblest of intentions, but it's still a criminal act. And someone out there, when I was um, reading up on this particular story, said, well, what if these teachers had all to get, got together and say, we've got to pool our money together so that we can buy a kilo of cocaine that mm. we can, you know, well, that would be clearly a conspiracy. They're raising money. The end result of which was to engage in an illegal act, buying a kilo of cocaine. Sure. In this case, they're raising money. It's a conspiracy. The money is going towards an illegal act to pay money for, you know, this human trafficker. Illegal activity, yes. Um, do I think she'll be prosecuted if she is? I don't foresee anything real serious befalling her because she yeah. is such a sympathetic character in this. She right. was trying to do a good deed. She yeah. just went about it in a terrible way. Um, she didn't think it through. Um, you know, she was uh, leading with her heart, not her head. And, and, and she, she very easily got other people to pony up money. So yeah. I don't think anyone at the time they did it was thinking of I'm participating in a conspiracy here to right. commit a a criminal act but you know as the old adage is ignorance of the law is no defense so right. there is still the potential for prosecution here i was just thinking tim Dott, what if there was a student that you know had a, got into gambling debts with a members of organized crime off on federal hill sent out an email we need to raise the money so we can pay the gambling debt to uh, the illegal gambling debt you're it's still that's right conspiracy it's, yeah it, it, and however well intended activity. yeah right. however well intended folks he is our legal expert attorney tim dodd tim excellent job as always and we'll talk to you again thanks john take care get the most of your outdoor space with limitless outdoors call today for a free quote 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401 580 1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links 
to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at depetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website depetro.com